It's not the hills. Hello and welcome to Brett Easton Hell Yes, the podcast dedicated to the works of controversial author Brett Easton Ellis. I am your host, Katie Wright, and joining me this week to discuss the 2000, I want to say 17, didn't pull the year up movie, uh, The Canyons, is Lenny Burnham. Hello, Lenny. Hey, guys. I almost got my ass kicked in Chatsworth today, so if I'm off my game, I'm blaming that. (laughs) It's a 2013 movie. I was incredibly off. Uh, Lenny, apart from the fact that you almost got your ass kicked in Chatsworth today, how's it going? Uh, Not bad. All right. Uh, It's good to have you back. Thank you. Uh, So, Lenny. Yeah. What... Walk me through your journey here. Have you ever seen The Canyons before? I hadn't seen it before, but I had a very close relationship to one gif of it for quite a while after it first came out. I remember this. Yeah. It was a gif that prominently featured uh, the the crotch bulge of Nolan Funk, if mm-hmm. I recall correctly. Yeah. Pretty solid gif. I feel like we should start with the movie and get more obscure, so I guess I won't start off by talking about Glee roleplay stuff. <laughs> should, I, should that be our entryway? Uh, Since you asked me about my relationship you with know the Canyons. What? You know what? We're talking about a truly bad movie. Uh, it's 10 p.m. I'm having a beer. I think all bets are off. You almost got your ass kicked in Chatsworth today. Let's talk about Glee roleplay. Right. So for a long time, I hadn't actually seen the movie The Canyons, uh, but I was in a Glee roleplay group. It's where online you pretend to be characters from Glee, and uh, whenever I I, I wasn't uh, so Nolan Funk was on Glee. I guess I should start with that. Um, <laughs> and he played a character named Hunter. And I wasn't playing the Hunter, but I would very uh, confidently, factually talk about his big dick. And so uh, the other people were like, why is that your headcanon? And then I was like, you guys got to see the canyons. And I would <laughs> share that gift with them. How dare you tell anybody to see the canyons? <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like the best way to sum up my feelings for this movie is that when you and I sat down to watch it together uh, and we realized that there was no rent option on iTunes and we had to purchase it for $13.99, we both immediately just burst into laughter. (laughs) I I feel like it wasn't even laughter. We were just both like, oh, hell yeah. No, we were fucking pay pigs. We were definitely laughing a lot, but we were also like, thank God. God, thank God that I have been backed into a corner where I have to give Brett $14 for a very bad viewing experience. Uh, so what's this movie about? So it's about this guy, Christian, played by James Dean. And he finds out that his girlfriend, Lindsay Lohan, is sleeping with this guy, Nolan Funk, So then he sets out to sort of psychologically torment all of them and eventually uh, murders this woman uh, because I think unrelated to any of that, um, she 
told him, I think lied to him, and said that he roofied her and... Uh, Not him. She told his she girlfriend. Told, she, sorry, yeah. She told Lindsay Lohan that uh, he roofied her and gang raped her. It, that was a lie, right? I don't know if we know oh, for sure. Oh, there's a scene where he like confronts her about it. I feel like what she says is really weird. Um, I don't. Yeah, I, it was I, like I what she, said. she says something like, um, "Yeah, I knew you wouldn't have to roofie girls to get laid or something like that." <laughs> okay. Like it, it didn't make sense, but it uh, felt like it was saying it was made up. Okay. Anyway, so he murders uh, a woman, kind of unrelated, but it happens in the same two days, and. Uh, that's pretty much the story. And honestly, I'm on board with all of that. Like, I think the story is good. It's just a truly unwatchable film that makes, like, every possible bad directorial decision. Yeah, I would be... I didn't really have this the first time I watched this movie, but this, my second viewing, this go-around, I, I really felt like I could tell that there could be a good movie in there. Um, but uh, I would be really curious to see a script of it. Because I feel like it's not even like it's it's good dialogue that was uh, just like acted and directed poorly. It's like it fe- it feels poorly written, but I feel like maybe in a different context it wouldn't feel poorly written. The dialogue feels like very specific. Like if you think about like something like um, like if you imagine like the TV show Girls. And just like imagine it being directed and acted completely different, you would be like, "This makes no sense. What are they saying?" And I felt <laughs> like that about this. Like the dialogue is very, very specific and kind of has to be done in a certain way. Yeah, that's interesting. That makes sense. Um, the so the acting in this movie is overall, I would say, extremely bad. Yeah. Um, James Dean, not an actor. He's a porn star and a very bad person. Yeah, and he's really weirdly cast. I mean, I guess if you, like, have knowledge of his porn films, maybe it doesn't feel so weird, but I felt like he looked so dweeby. Like, he looked (laughs) like he should star in a straight-to-video American Pie movie. And it's so bizarre that he's playing, like, the womanizer in this psychosexual thriller. I have knowledge of his porn films. And with that background it does make it is it makes sense uh as an as a conceptual casting idea but it feels like the second anybody saw him trying to read off of a script they should have been like this man simply must not be in this film yeah and i um, I think he's pretty handsome um I don't know. I feel like he's handsome enough that he could be, like, the affable guy in a sitcom. Like, he could be Jim on The Office. But he's truly, truly weird in this, like, sexy, dark movie. Yeah, maybe, um, I guess, since I first became aware of him as a porn star, you know, he's so much more better. He's so much better looking than most male porn stars. They're truly ugly people. Uh, So, just lowered the bar and... And uh, I, I just like, accepted him as a handsome man. I feel like a lot of the casting in this movie feels like it was like based on um, like the actors, like real personalities. Like yeah, for cause, sure. Yeah, because like um, Nolan Funk is like a pretty like 
like relatively for this movie just like nice wholesome guy and like he really in everything else just plays like a horrible frat boy because he just like has like the face and demeanor of a horrible (laughs) frat boy um like he's really well cast on dear white people as guy who's like i should get to say the n-word um and i forgot that was him (laughs) what a great use of nolan right (laughs) um and it's kind of fun like I know, like, from interviews and stuff, he it, he really is just, like, a nice, wholesome guy. So it was kind of fun seeing him cast that way. But, yeah, it's, like, it does feel like everyone in this was based, was cast a lot more based on how they actually are than, like, what they convey on film. Yeah. And, yeah, Lindsay kind of feels like she's playing herself a little bit. But not very well. I love Lindsay. Um, I think she was just not feeling it with this movie. And I do blame Paul Schrader. I assume he's a terrible director. Yeah. <laughs> really bad. Yeah. Like, I will, like, I watch a lot of, like, like, TV shows that, like, don't especially have a directorial style and are, like, completely neutral. And, like, this would have benefited from being that. Like, yeah. Like, every stylistic choice it made was just ridiculous. <laughs> it felt like a, like, it was for, like, a film class that was just, like, um, like one of those assignments where it's like at some point you have to do this and you have to do this and he was just like <laughs> checking them off just that, like it totally. made no sense visually yeah and it's like they they had access to these like beautiful this beautiful house and like you know lovely locations and like they had professional grade cameras so like <laughs> there's no reason for it to also like on top of being like poorly directed, it's just like it looks really bad. It looks really shitty and like not professionally shot. And it's just like they're they weren't doing anything visually ambitious. Like <laughs> they just needed to represent like a a really nice looking yeah, house if as looking just nice. Gotten, like a like love and hip hop director, it would be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um uh so I I definitely feel like it seems like the filming of the canyons must have been a very tormented experience. I don't really have any details. Um, I do remember at the time Brett would sometimes tweet about being irritated with Lindsay. Um, (laughs) He would specifically be like, Patrick Bateman is on his way over to Lindsay's hotel to figure out why she didn't show up on set today. That kind of thing. Um, Real goofy. Real goofy. (laughs) Um, and I definitely I know that Brett has like expressed that he's not happy with the way the canyons turned out Um, but I haven't really heard him go into detail about whose fault he thinks that is Um, I was doing a little bit of research on Paul Schrader I didn't realize he had recently directed a movie that like put him back on the map did you have you heard anything about first reformed I feel oh, like I, I didn't remember. know that was him. <laughs> oh man! I feel like I've heard people talk about it, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know what that I movie is. I just assumed it was directed by some good director. Yeah, well, that was him. Aww. So I don't know. I don't know what the fuck was up with the, with the onions. Um. So, what are some things that stick out at you? Well, let me first ask this: Is there anything that sticks out at you as being good in this movie? Um. Okay, there are a few things that I thought were interesting. Um, one, the only, like, 
dialogue exchange that really stuck out to me was when um, Lindsay Lohan is meeting up with uh, is the girl named Gina. Yeah. Okay. Um, she's meeting up with Gina, who is um, James Dean's assistant. Right. Um, and they start talking about the movie they're working on, and Lindsay Lohan's like, uh, do you like movies? Like, when was the last time you went to a movie? And she's like, oh, this premiere I went to, and Lindsay Lohan was like, no, not not a premiere. Like, that doesn't count. And I felt like that was, like, really interesting and felt like it was, like, starting to get at, like, what the point of this movie is. Um, And I thought, like, it was pretty relatable how, like, because this movie is all about people who are like sort of on the verge of being involved in the film industry but none of them have like really made it like even the ones who are rich they just have like trust fund money um and i do think like um a lot of like being in la is just like now you're like you're working is all just like networking and like trying to meet people and stuff and you're like so far removed from like actual like art and so far from like remembering that you ever like liked this stuff or found it interesting and so I thought like that was really good um and uh but it just felt like the um the movie wasn't really enough about that it was sort of like you could tell this was going on in their lives and I felt like it captured the basic idea of being on the outskirts of the industry pretty well but it just like didn't really delve into it in most of the scenes yeah it opens the movie opens on like all these um all these still shots of like abandoned and destroyed movie theaters which i thought was like a cool a cool visual and like a cool way to open a movie um and it definitely sets an expectation for kind of like what the big theme of the movie is going to be and then i sort of felt like even though there's a lot of talk about, like, is this movie going to happen? Am I going to get this role in this movie? It was like, I don't know. I, f- I didn't feel like the film industry was, like, integrated deeply into mm-hmm. the soul of the movie. It just felt like sort of set dressing. And it was about, like, these people's <laughs> boring relationships to each other. Yeah, I felt like some of it was probably intentional. Like, I think... The idea of them, like, always talking about this movie, but just in really boring terms, like, sort of, like, the specifics of, like, the scheduling and stuff, and, like, never talking about, like, what the movie was about, or, like, thematically what interested about them. I felt like that was probably intentional, but it, like, it's so hard to actually convey what I think that is trying to convey, instead of just having it, like, come off, like, you know, the movie The Canyons doesn't like care about this film thematically or whatever right. like um and that's kind of how I felt about a lot of this is that like a lot of it felt like it was trying to uh convey something that's really hard particularly like I think um all the character or, or most of the characters at least definitely like Lindsay Lohan the most have this sort of like uh apathy like seem kind of like uh you know just like numb and uh disaffected and um I think like that is something that is really compelling in like novels because you're like in the character's head and you're like oh yeah like I can remember times in my life when I was depressed and apathetic but like when you're watching it on screen it's just so like this person is boring to me why are you showing me that yeah and it would take 
it would take a really good director to make those <laughs> to make those moments feel like something. I feel like the basic idea of um like uh so Christian the main character James Dean uh is doing all these like terrible things like uh eventually murdering a girl, trying to like force a guy to um I guess like quid pro quo harass Nolan Funk uh stuff like that he's doing all these monster things and then at the same time there's all these scenes of like him with Lindsay Lohan just being like I can't believe you cheated on me I love you um and I thought like the uh the idea that every monster is also just like a super boring guy who's just like why would my girlfriend hurt my feelings felt extremely resonant yeah I do love that as an idea but it just sort of needed to have a more like satirical tone to it um the thing I kept thinking of is uh the scene in Breaking Bad I really like where uh Walter's talking to Skylar and he's like we're happily married and then she like glares at him and he's like well I'm happily married (laughs) and it's like such a good moment of just like him being a monster but also just kind of like a dope who's bad at feelings yeah and I feel like uh that uh that kind of tone would have really um made uh made those scenes really good but uh the way it is now, they're just like, they're so sort of boring and so sort of, um, they have this like really flat tone where it just comes off feeling like you're like supposed to care about these characters, like dumb relationship. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. In the, in the scene where he's, he's with the girl that he's cheating on Tara with. And he's like, oh, I can't believe Tara would cheat on me. I My immediate reaction to that was like, what the fuck is this? This movie doesn't make any sense. And then I had to like take a second and I was like, oh, I've like known guys who yeah. were cheating on their girlfriend and were also like, I'm worried my girlfriend's cheating on me. Like I've, I've literally encountered that. Mm. But it's like this movie just did such a bad job of like making me buy in like I was just so ready to be like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would that happen? Rather than being, rather than having the response of like, oh, I recognize that from my life. Yeah, it felt like, um, like it felt like there was like sort of three different things going on that it could never like consistently come together where there was like the realistic aspect, the sort of like um, exciting movie Patrick Bateman-y aspect which I don't, which I think they like rarely achieved, but it felt like maybe they were going for, mm-hmm. and then just sort of the like actual like um, dramatic like lifetime movie boyfriend who just like slaps his girlfriend and stuff, and it like never really landed on what they were doing. I feel like yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the like the Patrick Bateman-y aspect really feels tacked on to mm-hmm. me because we really. There, we don't get like any of that stuff until like the climactic scene where Christian murders somebody. Yeah, really. I mean, do you, did you feel like there was anything else that no. felt like? Yeah, like, and I, um, yeah, I, I usually like like really over the top uh, stuff, but I did feel like this movie 
would have benefited from like leaning more into the realism because I like bought that stuff a lot more. And there's there was like stuff like um there's a scene where he is with a girl. I think it's the girl he's cheating on his girlfriend with. Um and who is the girl that he ends up murdering? Yeah. Um so there's a scene early on when they're having sex um and he just like pushes her face down and like pushes the palm of his hand into her neck. And it felt like it's supposed to feel like like movie sexual violence, like psychosexual thriller violence. But I was just like, every guy just does that. <laughs> and I felt like that yeah. was like, I feel like both the weakness and strength of the canyons is that dating guys in LA is just like this. And it's <laughs> like, that could be a really great movie premise. But yeah. um, it felt too much like it was like, trying to be titillating instead of just trying to make you be like "Mm -hmm, yeah (laughs) yeah when he was when he kept like pushing her face down and sort of like grabbing her throat while he was fucking her I was like yep relatable but then like the thing that made it unbelievable was that that like builds to a conflict and she's like what are you doing and he's like don't kiss me it's like in my experience uh, one party is just like, I guess this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, it's like, that's, um, I, it, it feel like, I don't know. I'm just like, um, guessing here, but it did feel like it was maybe the director not understanding the movie. Um, cause yeah, it did just feel like there were like consistently things where you should have seen like, just sort of like a blank-faced woman being like, okay, this is happening. And instead, it felt like the movie was just constantly trying to be like, yeah, this is an exciting, dark, psychosexual drama. Yeah. It is billed as a, like, an erotic thriller. Yeah. Do you find any part of it erotic? No, it's so (laughs) not erotic. Like, if you just... um, like, it has some good gifts in there. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, huge titties. Lindsay's got a beautiful rack. Yeah. Nolan's got a great dick. The, the other girl, I don't know her name, but the other girl whose boobs you see are also incredible. Yeah. Really, really stacked. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it just feels like the movie is, like, aggressively not interested in filming anything in a sexy way. Um yeah, it's really frustrating because you would be like looking at someone with a great body having sex and it wasn't like disturbing or gross or anything. It's just like not filmed in a sexy way or like it just doesn't feel like the movie has any interest in that really. I've seen yeah. like so many like network TV shows that are way sexier in the way that they're filmed and yeah. Yeah, that's true. It It does seem like... The movie feels like it's really going through the motions whenever you're watching somebody have sex. Yeah. And it's like, why? Like, why? If you're, like, movie, if you're not aroused by this and, like, also not, not, like, creating any other kind of narrative tension or anything, like, why are we, why are we bothering? Yeah, it's, this is definitely a movie where you, like, wonder who it's supposed to be for a lot. Yeah. A specific example of, um... It just like not being sexy is um there's a part where Christian to get revenge after he finds out Nolan Funk is having sex with his girlfriend, he goes to a producer of the movie and he's like, 
Tell him that if he wants to keep his role in this movie, he has to have sex with you. And as soon as they introduced that, it's very much the fire fa- wor- the fireworks factory <laughs> at that point. It's just like, oh, great. This is a great movie. And because, because like, genuinely, it was like, oh, that's exciting in a way you never see in movies. Like, cool. Like, even if this is trash, it's still going to, like, do stuff I haven't seen and um, be worth watching for that reason. And then when it finally gets to the scene where that guy uh, tells Nolan Funk he has to sleep with him, it's so boring. Yeah. And it, like, cuts away almost immediately. Yeah. And it's, like, this, like, even putting aside the horniness factory, just, like, if put, putting aside the horniness factor, just, like, as a conflict, is this conflict that could have sustained, like, an act or two of the movie, and they just drop it. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, they drop it and it has no more effect yeah. on anything. Like, uh, Nolan Nolan Funk's response is this, like, kind of aggressive, sarcastic, like, oh, why don't you just suck my dick right now? Suck my dick right now. Come on, mm-hmm. I know you want to. And then, like, it cuts away. Presumably the guy does not suck his dick. <laughs> and that's the end of that. Yeah. I don't think we even see that, that character again, <laughs> that producer character. Yeah. And there's another uh, character who's, like... Um, this guy Nolan Funk works as an assistant for, and there's a part where he's like begging to get more shifts for his job, and the guy's like clearly gay, and you're like, okay, um, and that's also nothing. Yeah. And you have to watch so many heterosexuals have bland sex in this movie. Yeah, and yeah, that was my biggest what, uh, who is this for thing? Where like, if I if I want to see uh like vaguely teased homoeroticism and then like a bunch of boring heterosexual couples I can just watch like any primetime drama that's not what I go to the canyons for yeah it's very strange and like I wonder if there is stuff that didn't make it into the movie like yeah I, I mean there was probably some point where they imagined this could be like a marketable film hmm but maybe even not, because even just, like, the heterosexual stuff, I can't imagine getting, like, a huge theatrical run now. Yeah. Like, maybe in the, like, 80s it could have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's... <laughs> There's it a lot like of questions. They should just, like, lean into being, like, everyone's just gonna watch it on demand anyway, so we'll have, like, a bunch of cocksuckers. Yeah, true. Yeah, it feel it kind of feels like this movie was like maybe too many cooks in the kitchen. It definitely it doesn't feel like anybody's like cohesive vision. Um, it just feels like the result of a lot of things going wrong. Yeah, which like shouldn't happen in a small movie like this. Yeah, like, it shouldn't have the incoherence of Avengers Endgame. <laughs> yeah, because. Yeah, presumably there's, like, no studio interference, right? It should just be, like, Brett and Paul Schrader, um, and they should be relatively on the same page. Like, Paul Schrader wrote Taxi Driver. He directed American Gigolo. These aren't exactly, like, like Brett, but they're, you know, sort of in the same wheelhouse. Like, it's not, it's not that much of a, like, odd couple pairing. Um, but who, boy, something went wrong. Yeah. I feel like I remember hearing that they had, like, budget 
problems, like money problems. And I wonder if maybe, I don't know, I still feel like if Tangerine can be filmed on an iPhone, like no amount of budget problems should make this just as fundamentally bad as it is. But I don't know, maybe that was an aspect. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know anything. I I don't know enough about the film process to say, but I can say confidently that the result does not work. I thought Nolan Funk was serviceable. Sweet little baby, always. He's my sweet boy. Um, Brett (laughs) tweeted uh, a while back that he, what did he claim? That he was sexually harassing Nolan Funk on the set of The Canyons, and Ryan Murphy intervened and stopped him? Was that I, his claim? I remember him saying he tried to have sex with Nolan Funk. I don't remember if it was on set, but... I feel like I remember the words sexually harass. <laughs> like, it was a very strange thing to attribute to yourself. Hold on. I'm going to see I, if it's still up. I think up. he deleted it. Oh, did he? I feel like he specifically was like, I'm going to live tweet the canyons and then delete everything. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I think he was like, this is the day I tried to have sex with Nolan Funk. And then a while later was like, no, wait, this was the day I tried to have sex with Nolan Funk. That's right. Murphy stopped me. That's right. I swear to God, I remember him (laughs) using the words sexually harassed. (laughs) But maybe that was just in the subtext. But yeah, he did. He did delete it. I guess smart move. Um. His only tweets about Nolan Funk are from when he was announcing the cast of The Canyons. A better time. I really had high hopes for this Aww. movie. Like, I, it was it was on the verge of being released, like, when I was first getting into him. So I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Brett's making a movie. I'm going to see a Brett movie. It's And it was a real letdown. Let me tell you. And I think the girl who plays... His girlfriend, uh, Gina, who's just kind of some, she's like the least, the least charactery character. Like she doesn't do anything exciting. She's just like a real every girl. But she's just like a clearly, clearly a competent actress who's doing the work. Um, and I feel like those are the only acceptable performances. You know, I also like the. The guy who played Nolan Funk's boss. Yeah. That Nolan should have had sex with. Yeah. <laughs> um, that guy was good. Everybody else, pretty bad. Um, Gus Van Sant has a brief appearance as as Christian psychiatrist. And his performance is one of the better ones in the movie, despite him not being an actor. So that's too bad. Um, so was there any is there anything that that you think is especially bad in this movie um i don't know if this is especially bad quality wise but the thing that will haunt me to my grave is absolutely the text tv scene <laughs> okay let's do it okay. let's talk about yes. it let's unpack okay this. um this like this was the only part of the movie where we had to rewind yeah. to just like check out what the fuck had just happened <laughs> Um, there's a part where Lindsay Lohan is texting and you see all the texts on the TV and it says text TV sort of like it's like an app in the app store, but the design really just looks like the guide when you're looking at like your basic like cable guide. Um, and it just shows all of the texts. She still 
reads them off her phone before reading them off of the TV. Yeah. It's such or a... Or she sh- at least has to look down at her phone to send the text, but then it looks like she looks up to read it on the yeah. TV. It's such a strange, distracting, made-up technology that would never exist and has no purpose. And it seems like the only reason they would do it is because they wanted to show the texts but you could zoom in or you could have her have Siri read them out loud or you could um you know honestly like the text is just like a person being like meet up with me I have something to tell you so you could just cut to her arriving at the house and being like I got your text what did you want to tell me there are so many options and someone on this movie decided it was worth getting a graphic designer to make a really (laughs) bad, bad, bad fake menu for something called text TV. What would that even be? Would like one of the inputs just be your text input? What is it? Because she doesn't have like an Apple TV or a Roku. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't do anything. It's not like an airdrop. Yeah, but she, she like hits, I think she hits one button on her remote. <laughs> yeah, so in this it's world. It's like the TV remote. It yeah. should just have like channel and So in and this volume. world, it's just like input three is the text <laughs> input. It will drive me <laughs> mad. So clearly in universe, no way to make this acceptable. <laughs> um, just tr- kind of trying to do my best to work backwards and figure out what happened here. The best the best explanation I've been able to come to come to is they felt like they needed to show the text. Didn't occur to them that they could just cut to the next scene or just have a graphic on screen, which is what yeah, most or just, things yeah, do. Yeah, just have the text pop up. That didn't occur to them. This is 2013 pre-chef uh, <laughs> it was it was like honestly even though it was only a couple years ago, like I feel like it's only been in the past like few years that you've started to see like text pop up on screen and that's just been accepted. And I could I could see them being like, that's gonna look like some goofy shit and that's gonna undercut not our like, dignity. <laughs> not like a text TV, you know, classic text TV scene. Yeah. <laughs> um so they felt like they needed to show the texts. Uh, if they zoomed in on the phone, you know, you have you have to like if you show the actual operating system, you have to like pay royalties to Apple or whatever. So they couldn't do that. Uh, and they there was something that made it technologically prohibitive for them to like overlay a made up operating system screen on her phone. Um, but for whatever reason, it was easier to put it on the TV. Like maybe they. Like, maybe they just, like, filmed something and actually were, like, and, like, burned it onto a disc and, like, put it in the DVD player and were, like, playing the text DVD. I just feel like everyone who worked on this movie, like, uses a clamshell phone, still has a landline, does not understand technology, and I feel like there was a lot of grandpa technology shit happening, and I do feel like there was a DVD of text messages that was being played. Um... And they were, and they were probably like, they like maybe one time they saw somebody airdrop something onto their onto their TV, and they're like, yeah, the kids, they got texts on their TVs now. I seen it. I assume that's how Paul Schrader talks. Nailed it. He talks like the like the old men writing Go Ask Alice in the Paul F. Tompkins joke. I'm gonna get them with their own technologies. 
the text TV. Um, so that's my theory about what happened. I like it. Like it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and I thought, so I thought, like, you know how um, sometimes your, like, texts will show up on your Mac, and so there are times when, like, a wife will like see her husband's texts on his Mac and he doesn't know about it and it's incriminating. So I thought for sure they must be setting up that kind of thing because it seemed like you would only do this if it was for like a true plot point. So I was like, and because you see James Dean downstairs on like an iPad or something. So I was yeah. like, oh, and she okay. is like, it's like a secret, the text. It's yeah, something yeah. she would want to hide from him. So, um, so I was like, oh, okay. They're like, doing this ridiculous thing but I get it in the story it's like she's seeing his texts and he doesn't know and she found out something big so that was like why we rewound and then it was like no just this like very basic expositional thing of just someone messaging her to be like come over I want to tell you something is the absolute most distracting thing in the entire movie yeah it was really bizarre (laughs) Oh man, it's, I honestly wish that more of the movie was that just like fucking bad shit. Cause like text TV will haunt me to my grave, but it's also like very fun to think about. (laughs) And I wish there were more just like blatant train wreck moments like that. She just has a hologram toaster for no reason. Yeah. I'm Tom Lockney. And I'm Liam Sr. I really like video games and internet culture. And I like movies and TV. And every week we research a true story from our preferred mediums and tell it to the other person. It's super fun and it's great. And even when it gets a little intense, we find the laughs in it, damn it. Lots of learning, lots of laughter, sometimes bummers, but lots of friendship. Media Majors, every Monday on the Major Cast Network. I'll say something that made me... LOL, and that I had forgotten about it, but then I remembered that I also LOL'd the first time I watched it. Is that at the very end of the film, we somebody is spying on Lindsay Lohan, and she and Tara and Christian have broken up, and we find out that somebody's spying on her, so we assume that it is that they're spying on the behest of Christian, but then it turns out they're actually spying on at the behest of um, Nolan Funk. I don't remember his name. Who cares? Um, so nice guy Nolan Funk is now hiring spies. Uh, and he's he's talking to his spy on the phone. She's like, yeah, she seems happy. And he, he hangs up. And then he turns and he looks directly into the camera. <sighs> Roll credits. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. And it really, it really has a like Jim from the office kind of vibe. Yeah. Also, like, aside from how weird it is that he looks at the camera like his goddamn flea bag, <laughs> I just don't understand the significance of that ending. Like, I guess the idea is, like, Christian's fucking damaged uh, Nolan Funk that badly. Um, but I don't know. I'd, like... I never liked Nolan Funk enough for it to like hit me of like, whoa, he's stalking girls now. I kind of believe any character in this movie could start <laughs> stalking anyone at any moment. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, there's uh, there's not really anybody to like feel for in this movie. Um, the girl who tells 
Lindsay Lohan that Christian gang raped her, it feels like that was only introduced like to give him someone to murder, even though there's already lots of people he could have murdered. And yeah. like, um, in when she like talks to Lindsay Lohan, she's like, the reason I'm telling you is because I'm scared that he'll do the same thing to you. But he's been dating Lindsay Lohan for like a long time. Like they live together, and it's like. It feels like she's only warning her now because this is when the movie takes place. Like, it's so weird to warn someone about their boyfriend after they've been living together for a long time. And it just, like, was is so clearly like, well, we just needed the timing to coincide with Christian's <laughs> breaking point. Yeah. And also, after she tells Lindsay Lohan, Lindsay Lohan's just like, I don't really believe you, and like yeah. goes away. So it's like, why is that the person that Christian's like, I have to destroy her. She's sabotaging me. Yeah. And it's like this whole movie has been him like obsessing over Nolan Funk fucking Lindsay Lohan. And the, yeah, and then our climactic scene is him is him murdering this like tertiary character. Yeah. Also, I was going to say one of the things I liked is um all the girls in it like also were with Nolan Funk in the past. Uh, <laughs> which like sort of resonated with me because LA is like weirdly feels like small like whenever I someone like follows me on Twitter and I click on them I'm like they also know people I know from like work and college and stuff <laughs> like it's like you come to LA to get in the industry and then you start going to all the same parties with whatever annoying people you're trying to get into and then like so that like felt right to me and the other thing I liked about it is that like I like the idea that Christian's undoing is that all these girls just keep being with this guy who's like normal and nice. <laughs> and I feel like that could have been a really good movie. Just like him constantly being like, what is it about this man? And it's so obviously <laughs> just that he's like a normal guy. Oh my God. Yeah. That could, that could have been good for sure. Christian is, is a weird character. And in some ways, he's supposed to be. But then he's a weird character in ways that seem unintended. Um, and I feel like he... Um, I don't remember what I was going to say. You say something. If you have anything, I'm going to try to remember what I was going to say. Um, when I re just remembered when we were talking about how um, Christian and Tara's scenes like sort of had more of like a sort of satirical element instead of just being like so earnest feeling um one of the moments I really like that's like really quick and I wish they'd had more stuff like this is there's this um scene where he's inviting a guy over to fuck Tara that was a thread really early on and it really annoyed me because it felt like it was like trying to be super edgy when it's like yeah, yeah like 30 year olds are just, just do this. <laughs> yeah um but I really liked um when she was she's like what's with all these dudes lately and he's like I guess I like uh taunting them with what they can't have and she's like but they do have me a lot of the time and then he just like doesn't respond to that and like that made me laugh genuinely like that was the only time I laughed with the movie yeah um and I really wish there had been more of that in their relationship yeah absolutely um there like the last time that we see Christian in this movie, um, he, Tara is leaving him, uh, and and she's like 
she's crying and she's like i need you to tell me that it's okay for me to leave and he's like it's okay it's okay for you to leave it's fine and then he's like if you ever see nolan funk character again i will kill him okay and she's she starts crying harder and he's like okay you understand i'm gonna uh, i'll kill him if you ever see him again um and that's like another moment that I feel like I should have enjoyed in a like psychological thriller, like mind game kind of way. But I was just like, why does he care? Why does he care if he's not going to see her anyway? They're breaking up. So why does it matter? But it's just like, I can so easily see, just if it was a movie that I liked more, I would be like, yeah, you know, he still wants to control her even when they're not together. Sure. But it's just, I, I don't know. I got in such a critical space with this movie because it was so bad that yeah. I that I couldn't the, accept it the like ending before like the epilogue um where he's just like uh okay I'll like I'll I'll kill him all right yeah good girl <laughs> like she felt so hot in concept and I just like could not enjoy it after this movie wore me down for 90 minutes or whatever yeah uh, yeah and part of it is is just that James Dean is such an unbelievably bad actor. (laughs) (laughs) He really is. He really is just terrible. Like, he's not even, like, I feel like you imagine, like, porn star acting. You just kind of imagine, like, very stilted, stilted and awkward. And he is that. But also there's, like, this layer of, like, extreme mugging on top of that. Like, I feel like he pulled a lot of, like, big faces and he was, like... He was uh, like, like hammy, like kind of over the top in his performance, and yeah, I hated him for that. Yeah, it's really weird casting, especially because um, it's like an archetype that's pretty easy to find. Like any CW actor would be so good <laughs> in that role. Like almost anyone from like Gossip Girl or anything like that. Um, like there's, it's so easy to find available guys who you know can be like handsome and sexy and kind of like whimsically evil (laughs) yeah the vast majority of the movie is just like a normal boring movie which was in some ways a relief but also there were so many times when I was just thought to myself like why wouldn't they just like go for it yeah yeah it's a good question you I think you mentioned that it feels like part lifetime movie Mm. earlier and that's a really apt comparison like Mm. but it's almost like it almost doesn't even go for it in the ways that lifetime right yeah because like the thing the the thing that lifetime movies do really well is they're like very cathartic and you like um watch what those women go through and are like oh yeah like i like this poor woman, this is what it's like. And they def- this movie definitely doesn't have that at all. Yeah. Um, and I know, like, I-, I understand what they were going for with, uh, like, Lindsay Lohan being more, like, apathetic and sort of, um, uh, sort of not having that, like, classic, like, sympathetic uh, heroine thing. Um but it it didn't work at all like you're not you're not in her head enough yeah and also the the other girl Gina like they really set up her being like that classic victim type and like there's a line where um so, someone i think it's Tara is like 
is anyone happy? And Nolan Funk's like, Gina is. And I like, I liked that. And I like that it's setting up like, she's just like nice and likable. And so we'll get to see her like tied to a chair and like sawn up. Uh Um, Like, I thought that was fairly, uh, like that would have been pretty satisfying to see. And then I don't even, what happens to her? She finds out that Nolan Funk was cheating on her with Tara and she said she says I'm gonna make sure that this movie gets made and I'm gonna make sure that you are not in it get out of my house and that's the end yeah (laughs) yeah you're right really misused yeah (laughs) it would have been so good to have her just sort of have that quality where she's like clearly the nicest person in the movie but like you're you're in the heads of the terrible people who are like i just want to destroy her (laughs) she's just so content yeah yeah um is there anything else in this film that you wanted to discuss as a fan oh yes i just remembered something yeah um there's a part that seems to be complete like it's so hard to tell with this movie, but this felt like very earnestly the movie's point of view and not satire at all. Mm-hmm. Nolan Funk at one point is like, I found out about his appointments. He's seeing a psychiatrist. <laughs> and he uses that as evidence that Christian is like psycho- like a dangerous person. It's so strange. It's yeah. like he should be in a movie from the 1940s. Right. Who is ever like that? Especially like in Los Angeles. Yeah. Fucking love therapy. Yeah. Like, just the idea of being like, oh, a rich kid in LA is seeing a therapist. He must be deranged. Yeah. It's so, so goddamn weird. Yeah, it's super weird. And like, I know that, I know that Brett knows that a lot of people <laughs> are in therapy. And he's written characters who were in therapy and was like no, very casual about it. A Scientologist. And he's like, why isn't he turning to the church and getting his thetans fixed instead yeah (laughs) yeah my i feel like you know brett brett doesn't like to as a writer like doesn't really like to handhold and will just like you know throw something out there and be like you figure out if i mean it or not like i'm not gonna give you a bunch of signifiers of like oh i don't endorse this which i respect Mm -hmm. um but i think i so i think like that there there might be a lot of stuff and that might be an example in the movie where it's like yeah he wrote this in the script and he's like obviously this is absurd like I'm not gonna draw attention to it being absurd but yeah clearly and then he gave it to Paul Schrader who as a director like fully didn't get the script yeah I could definitely see that being funny but it just it just comes off so weird especially because yeah. there's so much mounting evidence of Christian being a yeah. person it's like why is the thing that breaks you that he's seeing a psychiatrist yeah absolutely um there's also a a a moment where um where christian and tara have a another couple over and they're like hooking up together and tara like pressures christian into letting the guy blow him uh and it's filmed like in a very like like oh something bad is happening kind of way um and then christian we see christian talking to his his psychiatrist 
Gus Van Sant, uh, about like how disturbing it was to him to like get a blowjob from a guy while uh while a woman watched. And it was like I you know I can obviously I can see that being like a character's feeling but it felt like the movie was like can you imagine anything as horrible as homosexual interactions between men yeah i feel like between that and um the scene where the guy's trying to get nolan funk to have sex with him and he's like oh do you want to suck my dick right now as just like a threat and not uh you know a real offer (laughs) right um it felt yeah it feels like like i was thinking about this it's almost this like dedication to making them like super super straight that is almost like more like if it had been done well could almost be like more sexy than anything homoerotic happening like the idea of a guy who's freaked out by even letting a man blow him is like so um exotic (laughs) like Like, true true forbidden fruit of guys who are like oh I can't believe I let someone blow me. Like, I could see that being super hot. Yeah, yeah. But it's not. Yeah. And, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, you know, if the script just says that Nolan Funk's character is saying the words like, do you want to blow me right now? Like, go ahead and blow me. And then it cuts away. There's, like, if there aren't other indicators in the script, it could so easily be a version of that scene where it's like, we're, like, it's implied that he blew him. Like, that was a real <laughs> offer. Like, that, I don't know how much of that is, like, an actor directorial choice or if it's, like, in the script that that's, like, a like a bluff slash attack. <laughs> um, it really feels uh, like a satire of straight people that is in <laughs> many ways spot on. But I feel like if it was, like, visually weird... If it sort of had like a like like a Stepford Wivesy vibe, I could see it working more, because um, you would have those sort of like indicators of like, oh, this is uh, satirizing how weird heterosexual life is, um, but it just feels like kind of watching a reality show. Yeah, and the tagline for this movie the canyons is it's not the hills mm-hmm. yeah it felt it felt like it was supposed to be directed like a reality show which i think would have actually worked better if they had like really leaned into that um but uh then there are other times where it just makes like weird like this is a film choices <laughs> yeah oh yeah there's also a part where Nolan Funk is posing in a swimsuit or underwear or whatever. Oh, yeah, I think is. it's a swimsuit. I think so. Um, which is great. Watched many gifts of it many <laughs> times. Filled those long, lonely hours of my life. Um, and then later he's talking to his girlfriend and she's like, how'd it go? And he's like, oh, I don't think I got the part. And it's like, was that supposed to be an audition for something? <laughs> There's clearly a guy taking, like, high-quality photos of him (laughs) from every angle. Um, And I just like the idea that poor, sweet Nolan Funk uh, (laughs) thought that's what acting auditions are. (laughs) So, Lenny, Mm -hmm. I think that we've reached a point where it's time for us to rate this film. So, as you may be aware... On this podcast, we rate on a scale of one to five some things from the movie. 
you can choose whatever your scale is give us kind of a thesis statement for why you're giving it this rating and then and then tell us your rating um yeah this is kind of a hard one for me to pin down i really kind of expected there to be more parts where i would be like this is nauseating i hate thinking about this this makes me depressed and disgusted and then instead there were many many points where i was like they could go a lot further with this (laughs) like it really doesn't other than like literally showing boobs it doesn't really do anything you wouldn't see on like how to get away with murder or any other such show um so so it's like I was less upset by it than I expected, but deeply, deeply bored by it. Um, yeah, I guess I, I would just say it's just truly not a good film. And I feel like not like I found it interesting because I knew I had to do a podcast about it. But I feel like if you just watched it and weren't like truly digging for stuff, it's like just not an interesting movie. Um so I gotta give it only one Nolan Funk stick. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think this is a movie that truly has no reason to exist. It's really hard for me to imagine anybody like watching it and being like, "Yeah, that was for me." <laughs> it's yeah, it's like you know, it's not really dark and disturbing. Uh, it's not sexy it's not like there's not really interesting characters it's not visually interesting it's like you're like yeah it could have been like flat out just like wrong and bad in a lot more ways you know it's not the room <laughs> it's not birdemic um uh and it's not you know just like a bad a a, like horrible experience um but you know if it was like a a deeply horrifying experience I would obviously hate it more but also I would have a little bit more respect for it for like doing something yeah I get the niche that this is trying to fill yeah like it's kind of how I feel about the American American Psycho the novel like Mm -hmm. you know it's not I'm not really the audience for that book but it made a choice and it and it God damn it, it it went for it. Um, So yeah, I feel like this is a deeply cowardly movie uh, and pointless. And I am going to give it only one Lindsay Lohan nipple. (laughs) Um, So Lenny, uh, Paul Schrader is in the news. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, as he is periodically, he's Brett-like he's in that very way. Online. Yeah. <laughs> um, so his most recent um, controversy. Do you know anything about it? The only thing I know is that he said Brian De Palma sucks shit for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. So uh, he posted on Facebook. Don't get me started on Brian De Palma. I rewatched Redacted last night because I thought that given total artistic freedom, he could reach for the stars. And he did. But the stars were beyond his reach. (laughs) The script is trite. It is weak. That's because Brian is trite. Brian is artistically weak. Skate fast on thin ice. 
That's his story. That's his con. Big words. Big bold words. I've only... I don't know if I've seen very many Brian De Palma movies. I've seen Carrie. Yeah, I think I've also only seen Carrie. So I don't really have a a stance on what he said, but like... Yeah. Certainly stirring shit. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have a horse in this race, but I do love it. And I think that all... Directors should be messy bitches who love drama. Yeah, I want. Yeah, I want all directors to be required to post about someone they hate every day. Yeah. Um, I want to know who Spike Jones has a vendetta against. Yeah, it's hard to imagine him having a vendetta. I know. Him. It's just gonna be like, I don't like mean people. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the next, this isn't related. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, this isn't related to the subject on the podcast, but since there's film people listening to this and you brought up Spike Jones, uh, Spike. (laughs) Have you ever thought about how it seems like in Lost in Translation, she's venting all her frustrations, but they're really just like, my husband likes girls who are attractive and young and nice. And that's an unforgivable sin. And then it seems like her is also like, I like girls who are fun and young and attractive, and that is an unforgivable thing. <laughs> and I truly love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know, not enough, not enough men feel bad. Yeah. About There's that. like a whole scene where his ex-wife Rooney Mara shows up, and he's like, "Yeah, my new girlfriend's just like fun, and you just like, and you're like with Rooney Mara, you're like, oh, this fucking guy." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's a good movie. Yeah. Not like this movie. Um, so the next day, after saying that, Paul Schrader deleted it. And he said, in a follow-up post, I made some critical comments on some films, and after a day, deleted them. I wanted to express some things, hear some reactions, but after that took but that after that took the conversation off the table. I like that about Facebook. You can start a conversation, you can also end it. And I feel like this man is a coward. Mm -hmm. I feel like he got blowback from this post and deleted it because he was tired of the blowback. But he's like, yeah, you know, I I had the amount of the conversation that I wanted to have. And then I ended the conversation when I was no longer interested in talking about it. I have to say, I also love that. (laughs) (laughs) Completely disingenuous. (laughs) And that is what I love about it. That's fair. I can totally see, like, why he and Brad are friends. It's Do you be- know that they're friends? Were they friends before the canyons, but not after? <laughs> I guess I don't... I guess... I guess I don't 100% know that they're friends. I feel... I felt like I knew they were friends because they went into this project together that was not profitable for anybody. Um, but yeah, maybe not. Um... But I hate that uh, Paul Schrader's a Facebook guy. I know. And, um, Ugh. Ev- yeah. Everyone who screen caps his posts and puts them on Twitter is braver than the troops. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I was trying to pull up Paul Schrader's um, recent, uh, recent controversial post, I just Googled Paul Schrader Facebook. And the first thing that came up was Paul Schrader says he is now out of Facebook jail after Kevin Spacey comments. So I checked out what that was about. And what he had to say about Kevin Spacey was, (laughs) uh, 
hold on where's where is it okay he wrote i believe there are crimes in life but no crimes in art spacey should be punished for any crimes his actual person created but not for art all art is a crime punishing him as an artist only diminishes art put celine in jail put pound in jail Put Wilde and Bruce if you must, but do not censor their art. Lenny, your thoughts. Um, does he think that it's punishing the art for him to get fired? I guess, okay, I guess I will say in Paul Schrader's defense, I just remembered how they removed him from his scenes in that one movie. Yeah, the, and the I guess, Gotti movie. Uh, yeah. The all Getty, the money Getty. in the world. Yeah, all the money in the world. Um, and I guess it is true that at that point, he'd already filmed them, and so it, and he'd already filmed them, he'd already gotten the money, so it was purely an artistic thing to change it. So I guess if that's what he's talking about, I see his logic. Kevin Spacey getting fired on things in general, though, is definitely just like, a workplace safety issue because right. he specifically goes after young actors. So, um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't have any particular feelings on whether or not he should have been digitally replaced in that movie because, yeah, it is like he already got paid for it. It doesn't yeah. do anything. But I wonder if digitally replacing him means that, like, he won't get any residuals. Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I guess it, it seems like possibly an unprecedented situation (laughs) so I'm not sure um uh yeah it's it's sort of it's I sort of thought maybe he was saying like people who are like oh now I'm not gonna watch that thing like I'm not gonna go back and rewatch that thing with Kevin Spacey in it anymore like maybe he's saying like no it's not the art's fault don't punish Mm -hmm. the art yeah um after that when you would see people talk about like Every movie that came out, they would just be like, why didn't they cut out T.J. Miller from Deadpool or whatever? I was like, I could see how we just, like, can't always do that. Yeah. Um, so it seems that this thing where he was like, don't punish, don't punish Kevin Spacey's art was actually a follow-up to a post he made where he said that he wanted to work with Kevin Spacey and wanted to cast him in a film and wanted him to continue to be a star. Okay. So I guess that answers that. Yeah. Mm, Not good. And then after he, the Facebook jail thing was after he said that, this was during the time when they were starting to, um, starting a campaign for first reform to win awards. So after he said that, like his his team were like, we would like to request that you not post on Facebook for the next four months. And then after award season was over, he was like, well, I'm out of Facebook jail. They told me I couldn't talk about how much I love pedophiles, but I'm back now, baby. And I love pedophiles more than ever. I love him being like, don't punish the art as like, a moral stance when what he is saying is like specifically you should pay for my movie that I'm going to make. <laughs> you got to take your 18 bucks to the box office. <laughs> Support me for ethical grounds. <laughs> it's a slippery slope if you don't. Yeah. 
true dirtbag. Yeah. <laughs> he was on the um he was on the Bretty Stanellis podcast and I didn't listen to it because I don't give a shit about Paul Schrader. But now that I know that he's a messy bitch with bad opinions, I might go back and listen to it. Um, he also was in the, maybe not, I don't know if he was in the news cycle, but the Twitter news cycle <laughs> semi-recently um, by saying that like, it's not, it's not that movies are letting you down. You're letting movies down. Like, I don't remember exactly what his quote was, but he was like, you got problems with movies? It's the audience's fault. Um, and to which all I could think was, you directed The Canyons. Didn't know about any of his more his more recent work. I guess he's bounced back, but still don't feel like he's in a position to be judgy. Um, anyway, I guess I'm a little bit charmed by him. <laughs> but I also want him to fall down a well yeah i i don't think this is an original lenny thought i think now that i think of it this is a tweet that i saw but there needs to be a reality show that's all directors so bad they're yeah the most incredible messy bitches in the world they're fucking lunatics all of them yeah like on america's next top model you get like one or two monsters every season but a director's show would just be Spike Jones and Gamma del Toro cowering for their lives while else destroys them. No, it's okay. Guillermo will protect Guillermo's Spike. Guillermo's a big strong man. I'm the strong, must protect the sweet. 